Do you like to be the first name of your sex tape? Well, if you like to be the first to listen to podcasts, you might want to check out our Patreon because now we're offering a brand new membership tier called Name of Your Sex Tape. I couldn't help it, guys. I'm sorry. For five pounds a month, you'll get an ad-free version of our weekly episode on a Tuesday, a full day earlier than its usual release. So you can be the very first to talk about how funny our guest was, how quickly you cracked the case, or how badly I answered a question. Plus, you'll get all the benefits of our regular tier, including our live Zoom records, a special shout out on the podcast, and if you really like to hear us talk, we've got an entire back catalog of extra content. Check it out on patreon.com forward slash drunk women solving crime. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Fancy coming along to see Drunk Women Solving Crime live? Ooh, yes please. Why not join us for our monthly London residency at the marvellous Museum of Comedy? We've got monthly shows through to June. Plus, every show is a double header, so you get to see us record not one, but two episodes with two fantastic guests. You can find tickets on our website, drunkwomensolvingcrime.com. Shows are selling out fast, so be quick. Noise. Noise. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Guys, have you ever heard of the Crapham Gland? Hannah, for God's sake, it's the Clapham Grand. And yes, we're performing there live on December 2nd. Please come see us. It's at 7 o'clock and then another show at 9 p.m. So come see us in person. If you can't make it in person, you can live stream us from anywhere in the world. Because we are global. And we have two fantastic guests. One is Kate Thornton. The other one is TBC. Love TBC. What a girl band. Come and join us. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be the first time we've seen each other since March. It's going to be ridiculous and I can't wait. And Christmas! Yay, Christmas! Live in person. Treat yourselves. We've had a lot of wine already. Yeah, we we make really good adverts when we've had wine. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! (laughs) Drunk women Drunk Women Solving Crime. My name's Katie Wilkins and I'm an author and comedian. I'm joined by screenwriter Hannah George. Hello. And writer-comedian Taylor Glenn. Hello. This is where brandy meets bludgeoning, mimosa meets misdemeanour, and port meets prostitution. It's a true crime podcast with a twist of lime. Coming up on Drunk Women Solving Crime. Very sexy Australian placement turned up, so... Hey! Hello. What, you lose on the swings again on the roundabout, so... (laughs) I filled them with sugar because we were at the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to England. Facts are great on this show. (laughs) In fact, fuck it, Hannah, you can't answer. Taylor's got it right. (laughs) Now it's time. Drunk women solving crime. We are joined this week by the fantastic screenwriter Lisa Holdsworth. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Lisa, we have one question. Have you ever been the victim of a crime? It's a slightly pathetic one. In my old house, I got drunk on the bank holiday Sunday, left the back door unlocked, which apparently... Is really common. Apparently, bank holidays are when oh. burglars just try the doors. They go around because <gasps> wow. they assume everybody's had a few. That, okay. that was a good start. Went upstairs, went to bed, didn't think about it, and then it came down in the morning, and it took me a good twenty minutes to realise I'd been burgled. Oh. <laughs> Even though oh, no. the living room door was shut and there was a, a cushion propped up against it, I convinced myself <laughs> that I'd fallen off the end of the sofa. <laughs> oh. 
all the kitchen cupboards were open and I just was like, oh, I must, I must have done that before I went to bed. And then I finally... I must have made a drunk sandwich. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> finally sat down with my morning coffee, looked at where the telly <gasps> should be, the telly and the oh. DVD player, and all my CDs and all my DVDs had oh, gone. Oh, no. Oh, man. Yeah. But oh, wow. weirdly, as I'm going around the house trying to get the list together of what's gone missing, they also took two cans of Sprite and... <gasps> A box of meringues. So I, 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 oh, I wish man. diabetes upon them. Yeah. Oh, well, it's thirsty work burgling houses. <laughs> well, this, this <laughs> is the bit I could... Also, my DVD collection is not the stuff you sell down a pub in Leeds, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> so I, I imagine them down there going, what have you got? Uh, well, I've got uh, Jesus of Nazareth, a bit of cinema paradiso for you there, lads. <laughs> Yeah, come on, five pounds, Cinema Paradiso, come on. I love that as well, how it ages the story, because like if this had happened recently, it would be quite handy if someone came around and just took all your old CDs and DVDs. Like, yeah. Right now, lovely. That's yeah. a service we pay for now. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> just timing, timing is everything. I like the idea, I just sort of bring in these unknown perps to life, and I love the idea that it's actually quite an anxious burglar who's like, my sugar's crashed, I'm very nervous, I'm a bit grumpy, I've got to, I'll get the meringues and the Sprite and I'll be red yeah. as rain for the next house. And imagine, I imagined little teenage boys that just and and also with that nervousness of she's asleep upstairs tiptoeing no. around it was only a little yeah. house as well oh. also there was booze in the house they could have taken the booze but they took the the non-alcoholic so right. maybe they heard you maybe there was like a creak and they're like we only got the mixer and they had to bolt like, <laughs> get the cds yeah. in the mixer we'll get the booze in the next one i love vodka and meringue it's beautiful oh. <laughs> yeah oh man a crunchini i was trying to think of a name for it Oh, that, yes. So Lisa, was the TV and DVD player gone as well, or just the the, the TV and the DVD player had gone as well? So they'd gone as well. Okay. Little, so they they must have found a bag. Must have had a bag to take it all in. Or there was loads of them. So. Yeah. What What is the ideal transportation? Exactly. It was it was only a little telly. It was uh, before I moved to a bigger house. But still, I mean, I, but they left also. They'd missed my handbag, so they'd missed the purse, the cards, uh, wow. the driver's license as well. So okay. I think they were amateurs, proper amateurs. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> this like it. A, yeah. a rush job. Yeah, I wonder if they were interrupted or if they were just trying to hit every, just get all the TVs for the street. <laughs> like, I hope you led with the meringues. Like if you did report it, I hope you're like, <laughs> I had an eaten mess planned and now. There are only uh, three scenes on Slimming World. I could have had that with some fruit <laughs> and yogurt. Just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> they never think of the victims, do no. they? No. <laughs> Did you report it? Like, so what happened? What happened next? Was there you a, have a to conclusion? Actually, was... although if you've left it unlocked, that voids some insurances. Yeah. Oh that, no, that, she's nodding. Yeah, that was a slightly. It was the first time I'd ever been burgled. So oh. after after realizing it, the first thing I did was, of course, ring my mum. And she came oh. running around, patting in absolute oh. power. You all right? You all right? Did they touch him? No, they just took the DVD oh. and the meringues. And then, of course, you have the humiliation of having to ring the police. They have to send the, the scene of crime officer around. Did, did they touch anything? They might have touched the teapot, give it a little brush. No. Oh. And all that. And that's just humiliating. And then you have to ring the insurance company. And go, well, you no. know they touched the fridge because they took the Sprite. Exactly. So they, he dusted everything. And you just know that it's just being done to make you feel a little bit better. Right. Like you're getting your taxpayers. Uh, for show. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know what they didn't touch. The handle to the back door because it was open. It was wide <laughs> <laughs> I hate that stuff. That's like, so interesting. Like, if you're a robber and you're listening right now or you want to get into it, do it on a bank holiday weekend. Absolutely. So we're sort of helping people it's with this. It's a life hack for robbers. Criminal and hacks. That's what we're all about. What I'm ashamed to admit is now in this house, <laughs> the last time I was burgled was on a bank holiday oh. and I'd forgotten to lock the back door no! again. Oh, Lisa. Oh. I know. I know. He's robbed me once. Shame on you. And and drink was involved again. So, yeah. yeah. Rob, rob me twice when I've left the back door a lot because I was you drunk. Know Shame on me. Bonus this time. Very sexy Australian policeman turned up. So. Hey. Hello. Okay. What, you lose on the swing to gain on the roundabout, so. Love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> also, in your defense, it's a lot harder to remember to lock a back door than I ever realized. I, this is the first place I've had that has a back door. And it's just, it's all new to me. I, I've had days where I have left 
the entire door open yeah. to the garden and come back like, oh shit, like we are lucky today. And I've done that more than once. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I just sat in um sorry, this just happened to be the occasion that the burglar tried the door. And it was open, not the many, many other occasions I've come down there. Well, that's been open all night. It's lucky they only come on bank holiday. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've left the keys in the front door and the, yes. my cleaner's gone, are these yours? I've done that too. Oh, oh, oh I God. love you. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes me feel so much better. <laughs> I did that once. When I was at uni and I was living in a shared house with some girls, and they, um, and I'd left the back door open because my friend came over who smoked and no one would normally go into the back garden. But when they got back a bit later, they realised that the back door was open. So in their infinite wisdom, they grabbed like a carving knife from the uh, kitchen and they were like, we're going to go into each room just to check there's no one in the house. Oh, and so, wow. obviously, so I'm in my room and it was only about sort of like nine o'clock at night, but I was just like sat on bed watching um, a DVD and then these two girls run into the room holding a carving knife and shout, ah! And obviously I scream as well. And they're like, someone's in the house because the back door was open. And I was like, oh no, my friend had a bag. That's, oh, that's what that is. Wow. It was so funny though. Well, I bet you never left the back door open again. Do you know what? I didn't because I could have been doing anything in there. So like... <laughs> Lisa, on this podcast, we ask people if you had the perk, they're in a lineup or they're in custody, they can't even see you if you don't want them to, you're safe, what would you say or do to them? I'd, I'm a quite a, a believer in restorative justice. I'd, I'd okay. give them, see, my mum and dad never shouted at me and my brother. It would just be <laughs> a very long conversation. So we used to have. Wow. Uh, what I is was, their secret? Because I need it. Yeah. <laughs> and what did and where did they grow up? And what was the? Let me write down the books they read. <laughs> this, this is your home. But they, they, you knew you were in trouble. If me and my brother came in and the and the dinner table was set, we weren't having it on a tray in front of the telly. Yeah. It's like, what have you done? Well, I've done nothing. What have you been? Oh. And then we'd sit and eat dinner, oh. all very convivial, all very nice. Then <gasps> would put a knife and fork down, <gasps> and. Put our hands together and go, now Ooh. we need to talk to you about something. I'd do that because it, it scared the shit out of me when oh, I was a kid. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Whoa, what a oh, psychological game. Yeah, yeah, I love the subtlety of the threat too. Whoa. And like the build up, you know it's coming. This is some Don Draper shit. Yeah. This <laughs> yeah. is like, yeah. This is amazing. It also would make you hate eating around the table. <laughs> you would just be like, I'm eating in the sofa. Don't yeah. even ask me why. Like when you, if you have dinner parties, do you just like put TV tables around? Because that's what I would want to do. Because it's so like, traumatic, triggering. <laughs> it just stands in the kitchen. I just don't want yeah. to sit down. Don't sit at the table. Get away from it. <laughs> so that is, that is what I would do with the perp. That's really nice. nice. I like it. Yeah, I like. I want to. Yeah, psychologically tormenting oh. the perp, but in a but in an officially, you know, you know, helpful. Prog- oh. My child is talking. What do you mean you can't go to bed? Set the table. <laughs> Get the fucking table. I'll be right back. Oh, but that is a hundred percent staying in. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Set the table. Oh <laughs> that's such I mean that's amazing like was it proper serious stuff or was it kind of you'd had a bad report and they well that's quite serious that's what I said it was usually if we hadn't been sort of pulling our weight in the house if they'd been general cheeky it was an attitude adjuster I would say wow. so we're very and so it was always we're very disappointed do you understand why we're angry with you at this point and it had gone and I've spoken to mum about this since and she said her and dad used to do it until they saw our eyes glaze over. <laughs> and, and that's when they knew that, that they'd got through to us. Just like, all right, we promise we'll be good. Just stop talking at us. Oh, that's boy. amazing. Man. <laughs> Father oh, is supposed to be in charge. He's got the monitor. <laughs> <laughs> this has been is a lovely right? segue into parenting. Honestly, I've loved the last five minutes. So I think it's been great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This happens when you fill your children with sugar. We did. We went to the dentist this afternoon. Uh, and then we were like, we're in town anyway. Let's get pizza and cake. Because then they won't mind going to the dentist. Everyone's oh, wow. high as a kite. You went into town. I haven't been into Leeds City Centre in six months. I it mean, feels when like I say bizarre. <laughs> okay, when I say town, I mean sleepy hitching. 
I just love that that was the beginning. Like, I filled them with sugar because we were at the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to England. Honestly, you can continue to make jokes about English people's teeth. I have several things that need to be done to mine. You know, I wouldn't get that in a previous episode. I was like, I'm just chewing on one side because it's locked down and I can't go to the dentist. Just chewing on one side. That's such a medieval thing to have to say (laughs) in 2020. It's chewing on one side, missus. <laughs> and Taylor was like, I don't want to make jokes about British people's teeth. And she didn't have to. That I really don't. Yeah, I really don't. I don't want to have to go there. But um, oh. what if one of your jaw muscles starts to get bigger than the other and you're going to have like like a hefty left side? <laughs> like desperate Dan, but just on one side. That, but like a big infection. Anyway, it's not infected. It's fine. Anyway, I think Lisa's parents' philosophy solved that the shit out of that yeah, I, can, I can get my mum on for a future day <laughs> yes. if you want yeah oh my god she'd be amazing <laughs> she would solve every single one of these crimes that we've got <laughs> she really they would. need her in the police force <laughs> wouldn't that be great though as a kind of like yeah rather than sort of like six months community service you have to have 60 minutes at a table with a mum who is not impressed yes with her <laughs> fingers to, linked together oh the fingers quietly and politely asks you why you've made these decisions <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i didn't want to murder them i just i'm sorry me, me, me. i won't do it again <laughs> now it's time I'm going to start this story at the point where police raid a ball in Washington, D.C. So question, why are the police raiding this ball and what do you think they find? Ball. I wasn't sure what you said. I thought you said raiding a boar. And I was like, huh? That sounds gross. Yeah. (laughs) Raiding a ball. Prohibition is the first thing that popped into my head. Okay. Me too. Okay. I've been yeah. reading um, Michelle Obama's uh, autobiography, oh, and yeah. I know that around the time that a new president is elected, like she said that on, on inauguration day, they had to go to like, um, I think it was like seven different balls that night Whoa. to show up at all these different balls. Um, oh. So I think when Joe Biden does it in a few weeks' time, it's going to be... It's going to be... Don't jinx it, Hannah. That's going to be... Um, so I think maybe it was something to do with the, the president because of Washington, oh, D.C. and a ball. Yeah. Inauguration okay. night, that's what I'm going with. Good, I don't yes. know why the police are there. It, okay. Um, when you say a ball, do you think it w- might have been one of those, um, like in Pose, one of the Paris's burning drag balls? Could be something like that. Oh, Great nice. instinct. You know what? I'm going to give it to Lisa, actually. You all had fantastic answers. The police find a group of men who had gathered to dance together while wearing satin and silk dresses. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I can tell you now, this case involves the first American on record who pursued legal and political action to defend the LGBTQ community's right to gather. Nice. Nice. So, question. I mean, nice if it ends well, (laughs) I should say. We don't know where this is going. (laughs) <laughs> wow what year oh my god oh it's gonna yeah. be like depressingly recent isn't it as yeah. well like that people have to campaign because people are still having to campaign mm-hmm. so i don't know maybe the 1930s i'm gonna go with okay i'm going a bit later in post-war okay late, late 50s 50, 1959 ish okay nice taylor that's where my head went i was thinking it was just post-World War II. Okay, well, in that case, Hannah is the closest, but wow. still a little way off. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, this is 1888. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. We are a long way before Stonewall. So this is the story of William Dorsey Swan. I don't know if nice. you guys have heard of him. No, but I love the name. I'm in. It's a good name. Okay. Very cool. So Swan was born into slavery in 1858 in Maryland. He enjoyed slavery, the Civil War, racism, and many other injustices. I thought you said enjoyed, but you said endured. I was like, wait, what? What the fuck? Okay, endured. Bloody hell. Yeah. Also, just to continue the tradition of me correcting something, it's so fun. It's Maryland. Oh, shit. Maryland. That's fine. No, that's adorable. Shall Mary I just take Lass. that whole bit again? No, I love it. Mary just so we've Lass. got another option. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and so are you, Katie, and I love you so much. And I don't say that enough. And but also, yeah. you were right to correct me because that's quite a big difference in how I pronounced it. Okay, Maryland. Maryland. Mm. So he was freed by Union soldiers after the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect. I think that means that the soldiers had to literally turn up because that's one 
one of the places where they were pretending that it hadn't happened until the soldiers literally came. Then he moves to Washington, D.C., and he starts putting on these balls. Now, William Dorsey Swan is the first person to self-identify as a queen of drag. He is literally the world's first drag queen. And wow. I actually can show you some cool photos, which we can share. His nickname was The Queen, which he gave himself, but everybody used it. And he is also a gay liberation activist, and he's the first person in the United States to lead a queer resistance group. So, back to the ball. On the April the 12th, 1888, police swoop into one of his secret Washington balls. And there are newspaper reports of this event. And one headline said, 13 black men dressed as women surprised at supper and arrested. That's, a, that's very genteel, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Suffer. Uh, <laughs> Suffer. And according to another news account, more than a dozen, so like sort of a dozen people are arrested and a dozen escaped as the officers barged in and Swan tried to stop them and argued with the police and said that they were not gentlemen for trying to arrest them. And then Swan, also all these newspaper reports going to really big reports about how nice the dresses were. Really? So, <laughs> yeah. That's like, awesome. so so Swan is wearing what one source described as a gorgeous dress of cream-coloured satin, but it gets torn to shreds in the fight with the police. Oh. No. Um, no. Heartbreak. <laughs> I love it, though. A reporter cannot resist detailing some fashion. It's like, <laughs> no, we're not skipping this. Yeah. This is going in. <laughs> um, and the fight was also one of the first known instances of violent resistance in the name of LGBTQ rights. So Swan is arrested. Question... What crime is he charged with? Is it because there used to be, I remember it like, well, but no, it doesn't really make sense because in the olden timey days, we've covered a few cases where women were arrested for impersonating men. Uh-huh. So can men get arrested for impersonating women? You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna end it there and give it to you. Yes, Ooh. he was charged with female impersonation. Wow. wow. Yeah. And these are, in fact, the first documented cases of arrests for female impersonation in the United States. That's extraordinary. Isn't it? I love that. <laughs> so I'm most so of- ashamed that I don't know this case. You know, it's yet another example of like, what did we learn in history? Because yeah. this is really important. Do you like how I made it about me? Like, <laughs> could I be more of a white feminist right now? Like, oh no, I don't know. You're doing great, Karen. <laughs> I learned solely about the Titanic at school. That was it. That's all yes. I know. Ma- 1912. And Romans. That was it. Yes, yeah. Romans as well. That yeah. was a big one. Phoebe's learning about the Fire of London at the moment. They love yeah. teaching about that. Oh my yeah. gosh. My kid was obsessed. I got sick of hearing about it. Yes, I started <laughs> in a bakery. I get it. Like- yeah, on Pudding Lane. Hello. <laughs> so most of the attendees of Swan's gatherings were men who were also formerly enslaved. So this was a group of messengers, butlers, coachmen and cooks. And they just wanted to gather to dance in their satin and silk dresses. Now, 19th century people thought that Swan's dance party was shocking and immoral, but they were also clearly fascinated by it. Uh, So question, how many onlookers followed the men to the police station trying to get a look at them? More than 100, surely. Yes, hundreds. Um, So I'm not quite sure exactly how many, but yeah, a a couple of hundred. It's like, oh, I'm so shocked. Let me look some more. I mean, there was no Netflix at the time, so that's, you know, fair enough. This is true, yeah. comes up a lot for us, yeah. What else is there to do? Who would we have been following in lieu of Netflix? (laughs) Oh my God, Netflix literally only came out about 10 years ago. So what yeah. were we doing? Like, we would have just had to watch like repeats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be fair, there was television. Drunk women solving crime. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Okay, so this ball wasn't a one-off. There were lots of balls like this one and there were quite a few raids and the newspapers always really described the dresses. On a raid from January 1887, the men arrested are described as wearing elegant female attire. The Washington critic continues, they nearly all had on low neck and short sleeve dresses, several of them with trains, as well as corsets, bustles, long hose and slippers and everything that goes to make the female's dress complete. Ah, but that makes sense. <laughs> Where were they going to buy it? Were they making it at well, home? Or... Yes. There was one of them was making so I think it's William Dorsey Swan's brother is actually sewing and like a seams wow. se- I want to say seamstress, but he's a seamster. Seamster. <laughs> I don't think it's um, that. Like also, yeah, like it's this like is a hipster seamstress. Not the case to start getting into like, oh, what's the right gender to anyway. He was making a lot of them and Actually, I think I will talk about him in a minute. There was I couldn't include everything, but anyway. That's really um, cool. Yeah. Bees seam dragles. dude. It's a seam dude. I just remembered. Seam. <laughs> I, mean, I should have I should have just gone for that and then not had this kerfuffle. So these drag balls have been going on in secret for years. And there's this basically this whole secret world of drag balls at this time. Question. How do you find out about or publicize secret drag balls in the 1880s? And if you want, I will give you a clue, but I will let you have a guess first. Were there codes? Was it just as simple as listing in the paper, but there were codes? Great guess. Any advance? There must, yeah, there must have been a secret, like a bit like Polari in in London, a secret language that you knew you turned up at the same time. Mm. Yeah, because I imagine there was a scene, wasn't there? So, like within, it's not like you're kind of advertising it far and wide. You're yeah. kind of advertising it within sort of a community. Niche. So with that, yeah, it could even be just a couple. I mean, but Washington DC is huge, isn't it? So it's like, it could right. be like, yeah, go on, go, go on. Shall give I give you a, my clue? Go on. Yes. It's fun to stay there. At the YMCA! Yeah! Wow. Way back then? This is amazing. Invitations to these dances were often whispered to young men at the YMCA. Oh my God. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I thought I read about in one of my sources about leaflets, but then I couldn't find that again. So I might have imagined that because it's probably insane to leave leaflets lying around. So mm. I think it was just a whisper. I love uh, that re- as a fact. I think I read it, but I'm not sure. Because <laughs> like, like, my work day is very stoppy starty with these children. So it's the original whisper campaign. Swan's drag balls came with grave risks to the guests' reputations and livelihoods. A large number managed to flee during the police raids. But if you got arrested, your name went in the paper. And of course, then you became a target of public scorn. And with the news coverage, a lot of people heard about this group meeting for dances. It reaches a lot. So obviously it starts off as quite niche, but then, every, you know, it's publicised in newspapers, lots of people, lots of different groups are hearing about it. So question, which group in particular took quite an interest in these drag balls? Oh no, is it like a bad neo-Nazi kind of, you know, is it is it the, the wrong people took an interest? Is it the clown? I can see why you guys went there. Or it's like the not. Christian League of America. Is that even a thing? It sounds like a thing. <laughs> Again, you know facts are great on this show. <laughs> these are these are great guesses. The correct answer is psychiatrists. Oh. Oh. Yeah. This was a fascinating new subject for researchers trying to grapple with the complexities of human sexuality and psychology. Yep. Um, and they are not preaching validation and self-acceptance back yeah. then. They are not. They did not have terms like cross-dresser, transgender, or gender non-conforming. <laughs> So question, what did they, what words did they use to describe these people? Uh, Degenerates, maybe? Do you know what, probably, but I actually, that isn't what I had. I bet they did I think this came up before and my brain, like sexual deviancy, I think they used deviancy in psychiatry. Yeah, we did talk about a a guy, it it was in another episode, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And we talked about the person who, was it a German person who coined like the phrase, he coined the phrase homosexuality. Yes. But that was a little bit later than this, I think. Okay. But was not a, was not a, you know, an ally, this guy either. No, Okay. All right, I will read you the list that I had in this. No, you've all had a go. Okay. So Dr. Charles Hamilton Hughes describes Swan's group in an 1893 medical journal as an organization of erotopath. Erotopath. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that's an insult. <laughs> and electro- I know, right? I'm like jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that sounds great. My erotopath days are way behind me. 
<laughs> I'm putting that on my LinkedIn, I think. <laughs> Um, and also he called them a lecherous gang of sexual perverts. Fuck I mean, off. such a basic insult. Yeah. Another psychiatrist, Dr. Irvin C. Ross, described them as having androgynous characteristics, which again, not hugely. I mean, I guess it probably was very offensive in that century. So swans gatherings continued. They would get raided. They'd mainly escape and then they would do it all again. And these balls featured folk songs and dances. And they also included the wildly popular cakewalk. So question, why was it called a cakewalk? Did you do it in a circle? Nice. Any advance on that? To make me walk, I need cake at the end of it. So I don't know if it was like an incentive. Probably not. No, I want to let Hannah answer, but Taylor is pretty... Really? uh, Yeah, in fact, fuck it, Hannah, you can't answer. Taylor's got it right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, when did this show become (laughs) this? Okay. (laughs) Um, Katie's taking no prisoners tonight. I love it. Um, So it was called a cakewalk because the best dancer was awarded a hoe cake or another type of confection. I learned about this. That's why I knew it. (laughs) What a line. I just remembered that I actually learned about this, so I didn't guess that. I didn't know it. Yay, I know shit. Yay. Karen's back in. Karen's back. Oh, my God. (laughs) Hashtag blessed. I mean, can you imagine the fear and the bravery? The first time I did samba, I was so scared. (laughs) Do you know what? I can smell the pumpkin spice from here. (laughs) <laughs> this doesn't taste like soy milk <laughs> like this is taylor's real voice i'm realizing it's so nice to finally be here guys <laughs> so i got a lot of my information from an article by channing joseph who is a professor writer and historian and he is actually writing a book about swan which will be out in 2021 and he said in this great article it was in the nation this article actually because there was not that much on wikipedia i have to say so i'm just going to quote what he said swan and many others in attendance at his balls were born in bondage and many probably expected to live out their lives that way some of his friends vividly remembered growing up and coming of age in the antebellum years when they were subject to their master's whips and whims finding love and joy in community with one another was essential to their survival. I very much look forward to whoever writes that film getting the Oscar for it because that <laughs> yeah. it, that has blockbuster Oscar film crying into right? your popcorn just all over it, doesn't it? Yeah, it is incredible. It is genuinely really incredible. Obviously, it goes without saying this is not a great era to be gay in. They've just had the Civil War and everyone's quite sort of obsessed with sort of manly masculinity or as this Channing Joseph says and this is another great quote from him he says in post-Civil War America there was very little patience for men who subverted gender norms (laughs) that's one way of putting it yeah yeah it's a brilliant way of putting it so in 1896 uh, Swan was arrested again and he was falsely accused of something that he hadn't done question what was he falsely accused of Was it like maybe another ball? Like at at this point, were there more balls kind of like popping up around Hmm. the place? Because, you know, word was getting out. And so maybe there was another ball somewhere else in Washington or somewhere else in America. And he was maybe blamed for it. Interesting. Okay. Any other guesses? Remember, if someone gets it, the last person doesn't get to go. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like my cakewalk. Just cut somebody (laughs) off. What an incentive. That's like Victoria Sponge to me. I don't know. My first thought was like indecency or he was caught in a sexual act or just like something some sort of salacious okay nice nice lisa i wonder if he got charged again with impersonating a female but he was just being fabulous (laughs) (laughs) excellent guesses taylor is the closest he was accused of keeping a disorderly house which means running a brothel But he was not running a brothel. They just, they love the euphemism in the 1800s. It's like how I tell babysitters that my children are spirited. (laughs) (laughs) They're just really spirited. Is that another way of saying possessed by spirits? Yes, yes, they're possessed by specifically the devil, Um, which literally all my Irish family think is true about Ernie. But in a nice way. In the nicest way. Yeah, Yeah, like the nice devil. 
like a really cute, fucking loud, sort of cute, tiny, fucking loud devil. So, um, at least she's a boy. They do the right things with the devil. Women can't handle the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And was he convicted of this charge of running a running a brothel? Under Katie's new rules, I want to go really, really quickly, and I think that <laughs> no, he wasn't because. I think that I mean, I, if he hadn't done it, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be any proof there. Like that's something that's a huge thing to have to prove that he runs an entire business. Uh huh. So I yeah. think a lack of evidence. But to be honest, if the police, which of course they did, already sort of hated him and victimized him, and yeah, you know, did all that, then it doesn't matter if he did it or not, does it? Okay, I love it. The fact that I'm letting the others jump in kind of says what the answer is. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so he was convicted. Yes. He was con- falsely convicted and sentenced to 10 months in jail. But because this was a false conviction, after his sentencing, Swan demanded a pardon from then-president Grover Cleveland be- because it was a false conviction and he shouldn't be prosecuted for holding a drag ball, which was all he had done. Yeah. Um, but this is the historic act right here because him demanding a pardon makes Swan the earliest recorded American to take specific legal and political steps to defend the queer community's right to gather without the threat of criminalisation, suppression or police violence. Right. So that's history in the making. Question, does he get the pardon or was the pardon request denied? I have a bad feeling here. A very bad feeling. I think he was probably denied. He was denied. Oh. Yes, because I'm, I'm just thinking about things that I've even seen quite recently. Like I was watching Ratchet the other night and mm. that's, what is that set in the, the 40s or the 50s? 50s. Yeah. Or the 50s? Mm. And yeah, and then of course there's a scene where they go to a sort of secret lesbian bar. Mm. And so obviously, I mean, we all know, obviously. Uh, I, can't, I can't watch that show. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that we've talked about on this podcast in that show. It's yeah, the Ice Pit Lobotomies. Just... I was like, oh, this is, oh. And then you see it and you're like, oh. Yeah, um, I, can't, mm. I can't crack wise about stuff when I've seen the pain mm. being acted up close. Yeah. I'm and not... I don't think. Oh, sorry. sorry. Go no, go ahead. No, no. Female worst place. Um, go ahead, Taylor. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm so flattered that you let me go that I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a female word. No, that's a female. It's not important. Back to you, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> and I am so flustered that I've forgotten as well. <laughs> I'm just, I know I'm not good with history, but I've never heard anybody say like, Grover Cleveland was cool. So <laughs> that's how I know that this did not get. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you guys are all correct. And he did not give the pardon. Uh, it was denied. So in 1900, Swan retires from the drag scene. But his little brother, which I did mention, continued to make costumes for the drag community for the next five decades. Um, and wow. I don't, I think the little brother doesn't die until like the 1950s. Whoa. Um, but I would need to check that. But it's sort of like, it's kind of a family business. It's like really close knit kind of group of people. So Channing Joseph notes, I've just like, just love this Channing, Channing Joseph article. He says, today, more than a century after William Swan's last known ball, the houses of the contemporary ballroom scene maintain the same basic format as the House of Swans. The balls feature competitive walking dances with exaggerated pantomime gestures, and they are organized around family-like groups led by mothers and queens, like in quotes. Strikingly, descriptions of balls from the 1930s, which obviously is a bit late in this, are sprinkled with phrases like strike a pose, sachet across the floor and vogue. Such expressions now are a part of mainstream popular culture and are regularly heard on like Pose and RuPaul's Drag Race. Let's raise a glass to William Dorsey Swan. Yes, please. William Dorsey Swan, definitely. And by Joseph Channing's book in 2021, it's called The House of Swan. It's extraordinary. It makes you realise how much of that history has been erased because, you know, however woke you think you are, there's still something to discover. Anybody who's a television writer has ever written anything, period, and then if you put Mm. someone who's black in it or someone who's gay in it, you will get an avalanche of letters saying, but, you know, Basically, black people yeah. didn't exist before 1965. <laughs> yeah. Gay people didn't. It is the most mm. unbelievable. You, well, you also get letters about the buttons being wrong on people's coats. But yeah. <laughs> that's usually accurate. So fair enough. But, <laughs> yeah. So it is, Those button pedants are better right. informed than so, anyone else. Apparently, there's someone who writes into the to the BBC, if a period drama is set before something like 1952 and they hear a wood pigeon in an exterior scene, <laughs> 
they oh, were wow. writing because wood pigeons didn't exist in the UK before then. They were, they were oh, imported. Wow. I'm so pleased they're getting my letters. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, oh, yeah. That's, that's crazy, isn't it? Because I always think about like um, period dramas as well. It's like everybody has remarkably good teeth. It's stuff like that that you're like, yeah. they would have been wooden stumps in the like, or even if you're like really rich yeah. in the olden timey days, teeth did not look, even British teeth, Taylor. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know you hate them, but um, but yeah, no, it's fascinating, isn't it? How people can have a problem with just about anything on telly. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. no. T- like every like 1917 was criticised for having like somebody have two lines that wasn't white. And it's yeah. like so many of the armies that fought for your oh stupid God. country. Imagine the wood pigeon being your thing, though. Like, <laughs> like that guy at parties just sucks. Like, you know, he's the worst. Like, don't leave me in the corner with Carl again. But is he <laughs> watching period drama just to, just listening ear to the television? Oh, I've got one. Here we go. Andrew Davies again. He's getting it. <laughs> oh, Do you know what? You've got to have a hobby, and imagine the fucking buzz when he hears one. <laughs> oh, like, lovely! Wow. <laughs> Do you remember you, you used to do this bit about? Well, I mean, it's a true thing, but like about your dad and the Blair Witch Project. Oh yeah. What's this? Oh, what's some like early stand-up was about my dad watching the Blair Witch Project, and about how um, well the bit where they well it, it gets really cross when they threw the map in the river. It's like, don't throw the map in the river. <laughs> and then he's a very calm, repressed, logical, robotic Didn't man. He say, never oh, gets enemy. Oh no. And then he did like they were like, when they find the house, he was like, Where's the road? You wouldn't get a house without a road. <laughs> um and then at the end he went, Well that was just bad camping. <laughs> <laughs> That is my favourite four-word review oh. of the Blair Witch Project. That's just bad camping. Bad oh camping. Two words. Seriously, your dad should, this should be a YouTube channel, like your dad reviewing films, just like four-word reviews. There was another, he went, he saw, I, I used to talk about this, and I had a little routine about my dad in the cinema. When he saw, this is how long ago I started stand-up. Oh, fucking Bruce Willis, and he's, Six cents. Six cents. Yes, thank you, thank you. My dad saw it in the cinema and he knew there was a twist, but he didn't know what it was. So three minutes into the film, Bruce Willis gets shot and my dad shouted to the whole cinema, Oh, no. oh he's dead! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that fucking rocks. I love it. That's the worst thing was he went to the usual suspects afterwards and three minutes later, <laughs> he's Kaiser Soze! <laughs> yeah, it's that. He's literally like that guy in that Simpsons episode when like, he's walking out past the cinema queue. I can't believe that guy was that other guy's father. <laughs> there should totally be a villain. I'm not very astute in my comics, so I don't want to say, like, is it DC? Is it Marvel? I don't know which one, but there should be, like, the spoiler. <laughs> uh, I, I believe well, that's the do... fandom of both of those yeah mm. he could cover both he could flip yeah. from other from universes there you yeah, go. I definitely follow him on Twitter because <laughs> <I'm> constantly <laughs> yeah. spoiling also like but sometimes I feel like films have been spoiled like if somebody spoiled like Reservoir Dogs I haven't seen that and I'd be like guys I don't know if they're all dogs or not like <laughs> don't, uh, don't spoil them it's funny when you, I get pissed off about yeah, <laughs> films being spoiled. But I got angry when I learned that The Godfather dies because I was the last person to see those films. And I was like, well, <laughs> fuck, what's the point? I, I now spoil myself for television by reading BuzzFeed articles. Ten fantastic moments from the drama you're what? Oh, yeah, he dies in the end. Okay. I have to no. stop. This is, I've got the catchphrase for the, for the supervillain. Worst spoiler ever. (laughs) (laughs) Drunk women solving crime. Would you guys like to hear a a listener crime that we need to solve? Yes, please. Okay. This is from none other than one of our favourite Australian listeners, Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. Vanessa. She sent in like (laughs) 20 crimes. We're like, we're using them all. Yeah. (laughs) We love her. She sends us great crimes. Okay, so she says, when my husband Greg's watch went missing and he had looked, and she does quotes everywhere, <laughs> I feel like we can all relate to that. Oh, yeah. Vanessa's sass, okay. Yep, she's sassing him. 
he decided it must have been eaten by our 10-week-old German shepherd puppy, Sparkle. Sparkle. I don't want to get into stereotypes about men not being able to find stuff. It's not a stereotype if it's true. Look with their eyes. It's not, right? It's (laughs) just facts. Or a stereotype about Germans eating watches, which is... Come on. So she says, to be fair, okay, so this dog did enjoy chewing just about everything, including the sweaty wristband on his watch. So now, to be fair, this dog has previous. She's got motive. She loves chewing. Mm-hmm. She's got means, teeth. I'm saying this isn't Vanessa. I'm just profiling the dog now. Yeah. She's got opportunity. She lives there. She's got means, motive and opportunity, you guys. But then Vanessa goes on to say, it was one of those bulky sports watches and I doubted it could fit entirely in her mouth, let alone down her throat. Chewing okay. is not swallowing. Yeah. Mm. That's my motto. <laughs> What makes you such a sensual lover? (laughs) (laughs) I just think, you know, we could be about to throw the book at Innocent Pup because she's right. But also chewing is not swallowing. So Vanessa goes on to say, as Greg is about to make an appointment with the vet, I noticed that Sparkle was very interested in his work boots. Not wanting her to chew them, I picked them up and I found the lost watch. We still don't know how the watch ended up in his boot. Was it Sparkle or Greg? Well, of course it was Sparkle. I mean, if it was Greg, we have a lot more questions. <laughs> yeah. Wow. How do you drop your watch into your own shoes? But also, if like, oh, so that's even assuming it was an accident. It's like, if it was on purpose, he's just trying to get like this dog operated on for no reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's cut this dog's stomach open. That's essentially what he was saying. Unless the dog's eating something else that he doesn't want his wife to know about. Ooh, twist. Mm. I love it. I think that's I think- good. I think I may have used this as a plot in Midsummer Murders at one point. <laughs> awesome, though. Because, because the script note you get on every episode of Midsummer oh. is, can you put a bit more of the dog in? Everybody loves the dog. That's oh, great. That's yeah. got to be the best note ever. Absolutely. That's amazing. Poor dog. But no, I, 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 I think this is, the crime is on Greg here. I think Ooh. this is coming up something worth asking else. the tough questions. Yeah. So yeah, so maybe well, it can't be an engagement ring that he that could because they're already married. Uh, unless or, there's, I mean, I don't want to <gasps> extend the crime unless there's a bigamous marriage going on here. <laughs> oh, Vanessa, thank you for listening. We appreciate your uh, your listenership. <laughs> but what is what's Greg up to? Well, the simplest explanation is usually the one. So <laughs> I'm on board with Lisa. It's got a second family. <laughs> it's too obvious. Oh my god! And you know what? Actually, that's kind of like, yeah, that's that's my worst fear has been that a dog would yeah eat like a wedding ring or something, and then just having to pick up the shit of a dog is horrid. And I love dogs, but having to pick it up and then sort of like run your fingers through it. You know what? Honestly, you think it's going to be bad. It's not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Can I tell you a thing that happened the other day? I'm not even sure if I've told this on the podcast yet, but it absolutely, it just killed me. I was walking the dog with my mum and he's a huge dog and he did a huge plop as as those huge dogs do. And so she picks it up, puts it in the bag, but she also carries his little little snacks in a bag, in a poo bag, just because it's a bag that she can take away. Uh... And then we came across this this young couple and they were like really enamoured with the dog. And my mum was like, oh, do you want to give him a biscuit? (laughs) And they were like, fine, so she opens the bag and just shoves her hand into his huge pile of dog shit. And then, oh God, it was so funny because me and her were just, I mean, we were just crying with laughter because she was just there with shit on her hand <laughs> and, this, and I was like do you want a biscuit or do you just want to leave like or do you kind of yeah. and you know when you're like you think to yourself like that's a funny situation and this kind of couple would just a bit like oh, I don't feel uncomfortable <laughs> and then um, they're left thinking did that woman want us to watch her put her hand in <laughs> shit is that what she wanted Oh, she like this? I'm not even sure we got to the part where she would like could explain that the the biscuits were in the other bag because oh, man. we're in hysterics. I would totally want to put a stranger up to like, hey, when that couple walks past, just whisper, <laughs> "Did you run into the poo lady?" <laughs> she does this every day. Also, that was the one time that made me happy for the pandemic because I was like, we had so much anti-back on us. So it was like, <laughs> get a leaf, get the boat, the boat, like the yeah. worst of it off. Uh-huh. Pop that anti back on. Really nice, really nice. Um, <laughs> nice end to that horrible story. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I right, so say. Greg is fucking another woman. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Despite yeah, throwing that. Greg under the bus in quite an extreme way, I do think it was probably Just Vanessa knows that we're joking, but yeah, the dog could have Munchausen's could deliberately be doing it to go to the vets, get treatment. Just saying. Oh man, have you written canine Munchausen's into anything yet? Because you need to. I've never seen that. It's called it's called Mutzhausen's. Oh, (laughs) and she's an award-winning comedy writer, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And you just had a good taste of why. Damn right. I made the guys, I made, just so you know, I know it's a podcast, I made a fist with how happy I was with that. The old Munchausen's fist. <laughs> okay. Well, but yeah, I mean, yeah, also the thing about the um, the watch strap smelling. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It all checks out. Yeah. Probably oh, Sparkle was playing a game like, find the watch, you idiot. And he's like, I can, I can only look at eye level. Otherwise it doesn't exist, you know. Yeah. And we're back to how men look. True. Yeah. <laughs> I find everything in this house. <laughs> Your face and tone of voice were just beautiful there. <laughs> okay. So we have just enough time to ask the fantastic Lisa Holdsworth, what are you up to? Uh, I am writing on Discovery Witches for Sky at the moment. The second series will hit Ooh. your screens in January. Um, and then over Christmas, I just want to. So if, if anybody has a, a Kelly's Christmas dinner in their area, look on social media. It's a tough yeah. year for us this year. I, run the, I help run the Leeds one. Ah. Um, loads of, we're trying to think of ways that lots of people can get involved. And so there's knitting, if you do a bit of baking, all those kind of things. So just look for Kelly's Christmas dinner. It looks after uh, Kelly's from 18 to 25 who would otherwise be spending Christmas on their own. It's the, probably the most important Brilliant. year that we've done it. Oh, great. oh, brilliant. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Care leavers. That's right. They're, okay. And there are dinners all over the country. Um, and so there's probably one in your area. So if you go and find them on social media and give them a hand, that'd be great. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Well, that's fat. Plenty of time to get involved. The, it's the perfect time to, to put yourself forward for it. Oh, great. great. Perfect. I should totally so- work for a charity. Did you hear that? I just went support. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the head of PR. Uh, Karen, you've just got such a big heart. (laughs) I've hated myself. I've hated myself on lots of episodes, but I might hate myself the most on this. No, to be fair, we turned you into the Karen punching bag, and that was not fair. It was just fun to do. Is there a worse insult? Like, wow. Like, even in jest, I'm like, God, when you're (laughs) you're a Karen, you're just your worst possible. It doesn't feel good. It's not meant to. Not meant to feel good. Look at yourself with that. Absolutely. (laughs) Unless your name actually is Karen, and then okay, fair enough. I feel bad Um, for real Karens. I'm just going to throw that out there. I would like to say a big thank you to our fantastic guest, Lisa Holdsworth. Yes. It's been lovely. Thank you very much. Drunk Women Solving Crime is produced by Amanda Redman. Music by The Lion and the Wolf. If you would like to, you can follow us on Drunk Women Pod on Twitter. On Facebook and Insta, we are Drunk Women Solving Crime. And please review us on Apple Podcasts. And also, if you have a crime that you would like us to solve, write it on a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Thank you to ACAS and thank you for listening. Bye! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.